Well, if you want to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Colossians, we're going to continue our series called Thrive. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Really good to see all of you here this morning. And for all of you who are joining us online, it is such a delight that we can gather together and to come to a time of worship, of prayer, and taking a close look and study of God's Word. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. I don't know about you, but uh, I've actually had a really good weekend so far uh, on Saturday and actually even Friday night, got to see some of my kids up in the Dallas area, and uh, also, you you know this is coming, got to see our granddaughter, Willow Joy, okay? And there she is, all right? Super fun. Okay, I I get the whole grandparent thing now. I mean, it is just to watch all of her development. I am just kind of enamored by it. I am tracking with it. It, It is so cool. Now, I mean, you have to almost be a grandparent to get this, because if I would have heard this like a couple years ago, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? But like everything they do, I mean, if they can roll over, they can stand up, they can climb. Uh, our daughter, Ashley, has got a master's in speech pathology. And so she's always working with words with little Willow. And like Willow can say all sorts of things. She does sign language. I mean, you can actually kind of communicate. And she's so much fun. She's funny. I'm having such a good time. I like got my folks on FaceTime and like, hey, you know, watch this, you know, and they're all quarantined in Washington. They can't even like leave their house, you know. And they're just like, nothing's going on in our life, you know. And this will like, watch this. She's eating, you know. And she'd take like this little chicken piece and dip it in ketchup, you know, and say the word dip when she did it. It was just fun because when you've got little kids, you love to watch them grow and develop. And we have four kids. I want you to know it is so cool to watch your children take just steps of growth. Now, when they're really young, I mean, you pretty much have to do everything for them but, like, breathe, right? Okay? You're just holding it. you got to care for them. But then they take just, like, like, just, like, learning how to roll over. I remember, like, waiting for Ashley to do this. Like, this, we would, like, videotape, you know, like, little camcorders things. I'm dating myself. Like, I wanted to catch this magical moment where she rolled over. And we had this super long tape. And I don't think she ever did roll over, but I got it recorded. One time, Karina and I tried to watch that. It was like, this is so boring. You know what I'm saying? She's like laying there like, ah, she's going to roll. No, she's just kind of flopping like this. You know, but any step of development, you know, and then, of course, parents are always looking for the what? The first step. Oh, my, that's a huge deal, right? You know, and they do this and they fall over like, oh, look at that. That's awesome, right? I think they're going to be an Olympic athlete, you know? They say their first word, they're a genius, you know, and you're just, you're tracking all of this development. It is, it's a lot of fun. And that's how it works with kids. You know, I mean, they can roll over. Next thing you know, they can like crawl. Then if like when they're walking, then they're running, then they can climb things, they can jump. Um, pretty soon they're conversing. You can have conversations. Uh, next thing you know, they're playing outside. They can learn how to ride a bike. They can learn how to shoot a basket. Um, they can learn how to write a letter. They're going to school. They're developing, growing, doing things like playing a musical instrument. Maybe at some point, and this is where your prayer life really increases, they actually learn how to drive. I mean, it is something to like, I can't believe my kid is driving. You know what I'm saying? And you're praying for the neighbors. You're praying for yourself. You're really thankful for insurance. All those sort of things, right? But you're seeing your kid developing, you know, and then they like graduate from school and maybe they go into the military or into the workforce or, or off to college and like, this is, this is big and it's worth celebrating. And that's what parents do. I mean, they want to see their kids develop physically and mentally and emotionally and socially and spiritually, right? I mean, for Karina and I with our four kids, we want and have been working toward this goal, trusting God and praying that our kids would walk with God and become fully functional adults. And you're always moving in that direction because you're going to launch them from your home, you know? And 
And there's going to be some close calls. And you're like, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, right? But that is the goal. I want you to know that God has the exact same heart, only magnified in ways that only it can be true of him. That he wants every single one of his children to grow to the fullness of maturity. I mean, that's what parents want, right? Don't you want that? I mean, the two-year-old stage is cute. But you don't want your kid to stay to, like, forever, right? You really want them to grow and progress. So it is with God. And so what does that really look like? What does that look like? That profound question is answered in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. And I invite you to take a look at there. What does a life-giving, disciple-making church look like? What is the vision? Where are we going? So if parents have a vision for what's going to happen with their kids, what is God's vision for his kids, his adopted children, those who he's brought into his family? If you want the answer to that question, it's found in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Vision is vital. It talks about what a life-giving, disciple-making church really looks like, it ha- what kind of vision it has. I want you to know that these two v- verses have profoundly shaped my life and my ministry. They are critically important to me, and they are the lifeblood of Fellowship Bible Church. If you're new here today, or you're just kind of exploring fellowship, if you want to know what we're all about, this is your text. So let's take a look at it. Colossians chapter 1, we have Paul, and he's writing, and he's going to put out his vision for the churches, the heartbeat of his life. And he says, Colossians 1, 28, and we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. I want to point out some things about this passage. A life-giving, disciple-making church has a vision that is centered on Christ. Notice verse 28. We proclaim him. Our message is all about Jesus Christ. If you want to understand Christianity, Christianity is truly all about Christ. It's not, Christianity isn't like a 12-step program. It's not a philosophy. It's not some rules and regulations. It's not some helpful hints for you to have a happy, better life. Christianity is all about relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is not like how some people peddle life insurance, right? It's not like, well, you need life insurance, right? And so, yes, that makes sense. And so, yeah, I want to get life insurance. And so, well, it makes sense. You're going to die. Here you get a benefit. You just sign right here. Life insurance is really important. But that, if you take that and translate that, well, that's all it is about God. You don't want to go to hell, do you? No? Well, then you know what? You just need to sign here. You need some coverage. Just say you believe in Jesus and you're covered. And there's a lot of people that think like, oh, I just need to believe a certain thing about Jesus and just say that I'm a Christian and I'm good. No, it's about a relationship with God. It's not that you know some facts about Jesus. It's that you are in relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about Paul saying here, I present Christ, that is my message. We proclaim him. Jesus Christ is the source of our salvation, right? It's where we find our forgiveness of sins. Christ has paid the penalty for our sin. The wages of sin is death, right? Christ has gone to a cross and paid the penalty for our sin. 
We have forgiveness of sins. And furthermore, because Jesus Christ is perfect, he lived a perfect life, he fulfilled all the law's demands, he is absolutely righteous, he is the perfect sacrifice for our sins, so he dies in our place. That's why he goes to the cross to satisfy God's just wrath against sin so that we who believe in him, we receive the perfect righteousness of Christ and it is placed on our account. Do you know that God never sees you and I in our sin? always in his son. We are united with him. He sees us as absolutely righteous. And so our message is all about Jesus, for forgiveness of sins, for his righteousness, but it's also where we find spiritual empowerment. What makes a person a Christian is that they have been united with Christ and Christ actually takes residence, lives within those who believe. It's why Paul refers to them as a new creation. What makes you new? Because you are in relationship with Christ and Christ lives in you. As Paul is giving this great vision, do you know the two verses right before it actually talk about this amazing mystery? Look at it, Colossians 1 verse 26. It says, that is the mystery, which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here it is, which is Christ in you. Do you see it? The hope of glory. Where is Christ? He's actually within the people who believe. His spirit resides. You're a new creation. Um, Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but anybody know how that verse goes? But what? But Christ lives where? In me. Christ lives in me. And he goes on to say, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Our life in Christ is a life in his love. And because we are so profoundly loved, and the more our soul is settled in this reality that we are loved immensely, we move forward in faith. Or like Ephesians chapter 3, like in verse 17, when Paul is praying that you'd be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, he says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Christ dwells where? In the hearts of those who believe. And friends, that's why we just keep coming back to this time and time again. True Christianity, true relationship with God, is relationship with Christ who lives within us. So when Jesus, uh, when John writes in John 8, 36, he says, So the Son shall makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You see, we're free of our sin. We are free of facing God's wrath against sin. But you know what else we're free of? We're free of guilt. Because of our relationship with Christ, we're free of shame. No matter what we've done, we've been forgiven. We're free from believing in superstition or horoscopes or trusting in luck. We are free to love our enemies, free to show kindness, free to trust God, free to walk with God, free to dream of the future, free to know that we've got the reality of heaven awaiting for us, and free to know that Christ is going to set all things right. We are free indeed. But this is all sourced in our relationship with Jesus. 
And so a life-giving, disciple-making vision, it is centered on Christ. And let me show you something else here about a life-giving, disciple-making vision. It is not only centered on Christ, it is focused on maturity. Do you see that, verse 28? We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete, or your Bible may translate it, mature in Christ. It is focused, this vision is focused on maturity. And Paul really approaches his ministry like a parent does. It's these just ongoing conversations. A loving parent is always engaging their kids. They want them to continue to grow and develop. And so he says, this is what it looks like. We are admonishing every man. This word could be translated counseling or even to warn or to even confront because that's what a good parent does, right? You will warn your kid of danger. So if like your little kid is playing out on the street and there's cars that are zipping by, if you love your kid, what are you going to do? You don't know what to do. Okay, well, I'll tell you what you do. You tell them, no, you can't play in the street because it's not safe. And you need to play in the yard or the backyard or over here. Why do you do that? Because you love your kid. No parent that loves this kid is saying, well, they're going to have to learn some way that cars are dangerous. They'll get tagged and they'll learn their lesson. No loving parent functions that way. And so Paul is saying, you know what? We do the exact same thing. We love God, hence we love God people. And we will actually warn them. We'll counsel them. We'll show them that, hey, crossing moral lines, engaging in sin, thinking your life is all about your reputation, um, focusing just on popularity, setting God on the side, they have consequences in your life. That, That makes you sick. That breaks down fellowship. Because if you love people, you will care enough about them to actually correct them, to confront them, to warn them, to counsel them. I mean, if you see people drinking poison, right, you're going to like, whoa, don't do that. I want you to know that if you're just abiding by the values of this culture, somebody else is setting your agenda and you're filling your mind with a lot of trash, you've got other voices in your life that are kind of shaping your orientation of how you live, and it's not for God and it's not based on truth, You know what it likely is? It's like drinking poison. And you're going to vomit some pretty nasty stuff, stuff flowing out of your life and attitudes toward God and towards people, your words. And what it does is it takes a heart that's already got proneness to wickedness and it just puts it in overdrive. And so Paul says, you know what? We actually, we admonish. Did you see that from the text? We proclaim Christ. We admonish every man. And notice this. We also teach We're teaching every man with all wisdom. You see, helping people grow to the fullness and maturity of Christ, it's not just like, well, you need to stay away from this, and that's bad. (gasps) Don't do this. That is a landmine. You step on that, you're going to be totally disfigured after that. Don't. It's also, on the flip side, the imparting of biblical truth. You are showing them how God's truth integrates into life. That's what wisdom is, skill for living. And so you were, he says, We're not only admonishing, but we are teaching every man. We are helping people understand how God's truth shapes 
their life, their convictions, how they behave. It fills them with grand thoughts of God. It fuels their worship because they're in relationship with the living God. So they're teaching every person with, every, with wisdom to what? To present every person complete. That's the Greek word teleos. It has the idea of fully mature. We want to present every person fully mature in Christ. Now, granted, Absolute, complete maturity isn't going to happen until we are in the presence of Jesus Christ himself. When we die or we are actually caught up together with him, then we'll be fully perfect. But we are moving in a direction, a direction of maturity in Christ, and that's, a, that's what Paul is saying. This is my vision. I am giving myself to present every single person complete in Christ. So often, people are focused on what? <gasps> they made a profession of faith. And I want you to know that's worth celebrating. It's like the, like the birth of a child. Super excited about that. Awesome. But it is like with the profession of faith, what you're really interested in is health, vibrancy, and thriving. Progression in the faith. Isn't that true of your child? Like, wow, we have this new baby. Super cool. But you want that child to thrive and to continue to move forward, don't you? That's exactly true of God. To present every single person complete in Christ, where they are growing and developing in every respect. And that's what God desires for his kids. And you know, we and I recognize maturity, right? I mean, like physical maturity, that's almost going to be a given. I mean, if you're like eating your vegetables and getting a little sunlight and, you know, outside walking around, you're, you're going to likely physically mature, right? But spiritual maturity and emotional and relational and intellectual maturity, that's not so given. There's a lot of work that needs to take place, and it's a progression, it's a process, and it doesn't happen overnight. And that's what Paul is saying. I am giving myself fully to seeing people brought to the fullness of maturity in Christ. After all, the purpose of life is to grow mature in Christ. So you see this grand vision that Paul has? It's the vision of a life-giving, disciple-making church. It's his vision being passed on to the churches. It is centered on Christ. It is focused on maturity. But notice this in verse 28. It is worldwide in scope. How many times in verse 28 does Paul say to present like every person or every man? How many times? You can look it up. Verse 28, how many times do you see every man or every person? Thank you very much. All right. Three times one verse. Every person, every man, every woman. Do you see it? It's worldwide in scope. And that shouldn't surprise us. The vision for a life-giving, disciple-making church is for the world to see every person come to the fullness of of maturity and knowledge, growth, and joy of knowing Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Remember, he's resurrected. He's appearing to his disciples. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth, right? He's going to give the most profound declaration, the great commission. Does anybody know what it is, by the way? I want you to go, therefore, and what? Make disciples of all did you get that? All, all the nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And you know what? I know you can't do this. 
Hence, lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I will empower you, but this is the vision. It's for the world. It's disciples of the world. And that's what Paul is saying here. So when you look at um, the vision that Paul is presenting of a life-giving, disciple-making church, it is centered on Christ. It is focused on maturity. It is worldwide in scope. And one other point, it is accomplished in his strength. Look at verse 29. He says, for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. He says, this grand vision for the churches, I give myself fully. In fact, he says, I labor. For this purpose, I labor. This has the idea that you're working to a point of even exhaustion. Maybe your, your life is like that. You are working so hard at your job and, and with your family and raising them and, and investing in, in your community and in our church. And you're, guess what happens? You are working to a place where you're tired. You shouldn't get thrown off by that. Paul says, you know what? For this very purpose, the purpose of seeing maturity, people brought to the fullness of maturity in Christ, I labor. But then he uses an even stronger word when he says striving. Do you see that? Striving. That word striving, the Greek word agonizomai, it's where we get our word agonize. This was the word that you would use like if you were in a fight, a fight to the death or in an athletic contest, like a serious one, where you absolutely would do anything to win. You are going to lay yourself out completely. Give yourself fully. You are going to agonize. Paul says, this vision for the world, for maturity in Christ, I not only labor, I agonize. I am striving. I'm giving myself fully to it. But notice it is not just in his strength. It's in the strength of Christ moving in him. What does the text say? For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. It is the supernatural power of Christ. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this vision for the world of making disciples of all the nations, I want you to know you are going to not do it if you try to do it in your strength, you're like, if you try to just like, well, what, what can I manufacture? Well, I think I'll do this, or I feel obligated, or, you know, I'm kind of guilted into doing this. So I think I'll try to serve or maybe share my faith a little bit. It's going to be game over. In fact, it might even be true that you're not really engaged. You see, if you try to do ministry, you try to make disciples, you try to invest in others in your own strength, it's not going to work. And you are going to give up. And so what happens, and this happens to a lot of people, they're like, oh man, this isn't working, that's difficult. And so you give up. I don't see a lot of results. So you fill your life with a bunch of other stuff. Entertainment, I just got to keep myself busy. And you'll still kind of show up to church and stuff like that. And they'll be kind of just like, you know, there's something more. And you should be involved in things that are actually eternal. But you're like, uh, you know, whatever. And you just kind of pass through life like that until you die. The secret of the Christian life is living it in relationship with Christ. Asking him for his power, for his strength, for his wisdom, for his perspective. To put yourself in situations where God must come through. 
because you're dependent upon Him. And when we do that, I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's challenging. I feel like this is how I live my life. I'm like, my, I'm not sure how to, what to do here. This is really beyond me. I don't have much to offer in this situation. I'm not even sure what to say. But praying and saying, God, I need you. I need your wisdom. Will you help? Will you, will you do the work? When we serve like that, you know what we experience? We experience what Paul is saying. The ministry is being accomplished in his strength. Remember like 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted, Paulus watered, but who was causing the growth? But God was causing the growth. You know how he does it? He does it through his people. So how does a life-giving, disciple-making church go about making disciples? So if this is the vision that God has given in his word, of seeing people brought to the fullness of maturity in Christ, a vision of, that's centered on Christ, focused on maturity, um, is actually looking to uh, see a worldwide vision. It's worldwide in scope, and it is accomplished in his strength. How does a church, how does Fellowship Bible Church go about this? I want you to know that maturity doesn't happen instantly. You ever had like instant tea? It's like, okay, it's just like brown water, okay? I mean, you know, like they bring the instant tea and it's brown. You taste it like, I think I'll have some more sugar and more lemon. Why? Because it's terrible. We do much better here in Texas. We just don't do instant tea. That's, that's not going to work here, right? And that's because there's really no such thing as instant tea if it's going to really be good tea, right? Same is true when it comes to maturity in Christ. Wouldn't that be cool if you just you believed in Jesus and instantly you were fully mature? How cool would that be? My wife would be rejoicing if that was the reality. Like, wow, that's all, you know, it doesn't work that way, does it? It's a process. It's like your kids. It's like you. It's been this ongoing process of growth. Maturity doesn't happen instantly. It's training, process, and investing. You know, like uh, superhero movies. Do you know that superhero movies are loved around the world, not just in America? I mean, the whole world seems rather enamored by superheroes. So let me, like... Some of the superheroes, you're familiar with them, Batman, Iron Man, Thor, Superman, Spider-Man, this one, Captain America, right? And, and you, like the storyline for the superhero movie, it's, it's pretty simple, not a lot to it, and you can make a lot of money by doing it. I'll just tell you, this is what you want to do like, if you want to write a superhero movie after church today. You, uh, you, you got somebody and... Things aren't working out so well. Maybe they get beat up at school. They're kind of weak. Things aren't working well. But then there's like a problem or something happens in a lab or, or the, the person discovers that they're actually a mutant and they have like some super skills and some powers that they, they weren't aware of prior to this, you know? And so then they, they have these skills and then there's some evil or bad guy and they beat them up or they overcome the evil and they win and... Uh, the movie ends and everybody goes home happily ever after. That's how it works, right? Now, in a superhero movie, they do uh, recognize that, well, the superhero is going to have to learn a little bit about the skills and the, the superpowers that they've got, right? And so what they, they do is they usually feature this in a short little segment, usually with music. It's called a montage 
where the superhero learns to work with their superpowers, right? So you've got like Peter Parker, and what does he do? Like he covers his room with spider webs, like, wow, I can do this, you know? And he's, he's like learning, he's being trained, and, you know? And you got the really cool music going on, and you see your superhero kind of doing his thing. Or you got like uh, Bruce Wayne, and he's just kind of like pummeling things in the, in the mountains of Nepal, you know? How cool is that? He's just like breaking things, like, but he's, he's getting strong, and he's learning about his superpowers. Or you've got like Tony Stark, you know, and he's in a cave, but what is he doing? He's fashioning this suit of armor, right? And then, uh, you know, what the movie producers know, like, you know what? We know that you're not really into the training part. We're trying to make this as exciting as possible. We got really cool music. We're showing some really fun stuff here. And we're going to get back to the explosions and the punching and the fighting and the kicking and the biting and all of that real soon. Just hang with us. We'll get back to why you love the superhero, right? But you know, Training is everything. You know, if your superhero isn't trained, guess what? When they face the bad guy or the evil thing or whatever it is, guess what? If they don't really know how to use their superpowers, they're just going to get run over. <laughs> That's going to make for a bad movie, right? And they won't be really superheroes because they won't. They might be super, but they're not heroes because they failed. They weren't trained. They were never developed. And the bad guy just runs over them and evil runs rampant. I want you to know that training is everything. Now, that's superheroes, and, you know, they're not real, okay? But let me tell you what is real, in case I burst some of your bubbles, like, what? <laughs> Superman's not real? He's not. But I want you to tell you, I want to tell you what is real. God's people, Christians. And training is everything. If you want to know how important training is, just go talk to a, an athlete that's competitive, and they'll tell you that training is everything. Do you know what the early believers were called, their predominant name? They were called a disciple. It means a learner, someone who is an apprentice. They are learning, they're growing, they're developing, they're maturing. And so what is discipleship? Let me just give you our simple definition. It is the intentional and relational process of maturing Christ-centered believers and mobilizing them for ministry. That's what discipleship is is. It's really far more organic than it is organizational, but it is. it does have some organization to it. You are helping people grow and develop. It's what God intends for our life, for us to grow and develop. Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. So how does a church, a church that's thriving, a life-giving, disciple-making church do this? I want you to know just briefly how we do it here at Fellowship Bible Church. Howard Hendricks, a professor that's at Dallas Seminary that's now gone on to be with the Lord, he said there's three questions that every church or every ministry has to answer if they're going to be a, a truly a disciple-making ministry or church. The first question is this, what kind of disciples are we seeking God to develop? You've got to be able to answer that question. What, what is it that we're seeking God to develop? So what does God say he wants to develop? Colossians 1.28, what? What? Fully mature, complete, teleos believers. So what does maturity look like? So at Fellowship, our mission is this text, to glorify God by living out the life that we have in Christ. Life is an acronym for loving God, investing in others, following his word, engaging our world. It's life that we have in relationship with Christ, and it's manifested in four ways. 
And so that's what maturity looks like. So often, people just talk about like their church or ministry and like, hey, we've got 3,000. 3,000 what? I don't know. We just got people and they just kind of do what they're told and we just kind of run around. We have no clear objective. Actually, you have to have absolute clarity. And you don't have to guess what it should be. It's given to us right here in this text to present every person mature, complete in Christ. So what does that look like at Fellowship Bible Church? That acronym LIFE, loving God for L. A spiritually mature, Christ-centered individual is loving God, like Jesus said, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see that there is a Christ-centeredness to their life and that they're also committed. They're committed to him and his body. Remember what Jesus had to say? He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is the daily pursuit. Denying yourself, that's going to be really hard because it's all about you and your rights, right? You know, and I don't want to do that. And it's all, no, it's really all about Jesus. And when we find we're resting in his love, we're driven by a, the fact that we are committed to him. And let me give you then the second. For a person that's fully mature and growing in maturity in Christ, they're loving God. There's this love relationship with the living God. But they're also investing in others. They are adding value to others. They're helping them. They're serving. They are discipling. They're investing in others. That means that you're connected with other believers, like it talks about in Ephesians 4, that you're united in a body of believers. The idea of the isolated Christian doing your own program, your own way, uh, that's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is that you're united with Christ and you're united with his people in a local body. And we, we actually then don't forsake the gathering together of brothers, but we not only are connected, but we have what could be called as compassion. We love. 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction is what? Love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. So you see in mature believers that they're investing in others willingly, not motivated out of guilt, but motivated out of love, a love for God and a love for others. Let me give you a third characteristic of those who are mature in Christ. If This is the kind of disciple that we want to see people brought to the fullness of maturity. They're loving God. They're investing in others. They're following his word. They are developing character as God's word, his scripture, through the power of his spirit, is integrated in their life. They're developing character, like convictions, what they believe about heaven, hell, God, your purpose of life, why you're here, where you're going, what to do with your money, how to handle situations, difficulties, relationships, the power of forgiveness. All of this is all tied up in learning from God's word. It is why scripture and the teaching of scripture has to have a primary place in the life of the church at every stage and age. Because Maturity is based on truth. It's not stories. It's not clever sayings. It's not pop psychology. It's based on God's truth. And as we grow in God's truth, we grow in God's way. He shapes our convictions, and we always live out our convictions, meaning your behavior is put on display by what you believe. And so as we're growing in the word, we're following his word, 
God is shaping not only what we believe, but how we behave. And we're developing like core competencies, like how to study the Bible and how to pray and walk in the Spirit, how to share our faith, how to serve, how to disciple. Because a person that is mature is loving God, investing in others, and they're following his word. God's word is shaping their life. And I'll tell you, the more you give yourself to this book, the more you find that it is inexhaustible, and there's always discovery to be had. God is at work through his people, through his spirit, with his word. And that leads us finally then. When you see that happening, a mature individual is loving God, investing in others, following his word, and engaging our world. You have clear life priorities. You understand the importance of your relationship with God, followed by your family, trying to live a a balanced life, understanding the importance of ministry and serving others, and realizing that God has given you a career, whether that's investing in your family or in some field outside of your home, that it's an opportunity for you to put Christ on display, to engage our world, to even be having spiritual conversations. You recognize that you not only have clear priorities, but you've been commissioned. God intends to forward his kingdom through his people, through his son. And you recognize, I've been commissioned to do just that. If you were saying, you know, Grant, I really want to grow in maturity. I, I see this in the text. I'd like to give you two questions. I've passed this on to you before, but these have been so important to me, so helpful. I've got a long ways to go, but these two questions have been very helpful on the journey. And the first question is to ask, Lord, what does maturity in Christ look like in this situation or this relationship? So this week, maybe tonight, you're going to be faced with something. Ask God that question. Lord, what does that look like? What does maturity in Christ look like in this situation or relationship? And then second, Lord, would you give me the grace, desire, and strength to do just that? God will bring Scripture to mind. He will give, bring to mind how you should proceed and ask him for the grace, desire, and strength to do just that. Friends, that first question, well, what, what kind of disciple are we seeing God to, to develop? A mature disciple, loving God, investing in others, following his word, engaging our world. Well, then the second question, Hendricks says, is then you have to ask this. Well, then what kind of ministry produces and God uses to develop this kind of disciple? What kind of ministry, what kind of ministry in a church would do that? And let me just give you the characteristics. I'm just going to simply list them. They're inviting ministries and churches that welcome people. They're warm. They're inviting. They're friendly. They're interactive. It's not that you just get information download, but that you're discussing, you're growing, you're talking about what you're learning. A ministry and a church that's investing in you intentionally, helping you develop, giving you training, giving you trust, giving you time to flourish and grow. And then a ministry that's inspiring, where you're motivated, like you can, you've got vision. You can see what God can do, and you want to take those steps. You know, that's what it looks like. These ministries that that have those characteristics, they're actively being used by God to produce life-giving disciples. And I want you to know, again, it's a process. It's kind of like peaches. You know, like if you've ever seen peaches that are green, you can pick them off the tree, but they're nasty, right? Uh, They don't really taste like a peach. Uh, It's like wood. Uh, It's hard to cut. What a peach needs is it needs time, right? Right? needs more showers, more sunlight, more time. But eventually, 
which once was green, becomes absolutely delicious. And that's true of believers. You oftentimes will not see instantly the fruit of your labors, especially if you're working with children or students, but you see it over time. And that's why at Fellowship, we are always encouraging you to take these steps of natural growth. We call it the pathway of growing in grace. You first begin, you begin your relationship with Christ. And then you start getting established. You're sinking roots in knowing God and his word. And you start just reaching out. You're you're growing. You're starting to mature. And that third step, that third stage is serving. Where you realize, hey, this is not just all about me. This is about how God could use me to serve him and serve others. That third step of serving. And then the final step of the pathway of growing in grace is where you multiply. You're helping other people become disciples of Christ. So the three questions are, well, what kind of disciple? Are we looking for God and trusting God to develop? Well, then what kind of ministries develop that kind of disciple? Then that third question is, well, then what kind of leaders lead these kind of ministries? And let me just give you the characteristics. They have these traits, and they're developing. They're empowered. They're encouraging. They're equipped they're engaging, they're exponential. Not only are they modeling it, but they are actually multiplying and they are excellent shepherds. Remember, we're not ranchers herding cattle. Spiritual leaders are shepherds and they are leading, guiding, providing, making sure the sheep are cared for, fed, watered. If they've got some hurt and brokenness in their life, what do you do? What do you do if you've got a, like a sheep and they've got a broken leg? A good shepherd is like, well, we just shoot them. We're we're done with it. No. A good shepherd says, you know what? We got to get this fixed because we're on a journey. The good shepherd is looking to take them all to the place of safety and well-being. That's what he does. And that's what we need, and that's what we have at Fellowship. Leaders who actually model and do this. You know what the definition of a leader is? The definition of a leader is one who leads. Don't you love it when the dictionary uses the word that you're trying to figure out the meaning? That's what a leader is. Now, let me just tell you. Leader is the person who knows what to do, why it's important, and how to bring the appropriate resources to bear. They know what to do, why it's important, and how to bring the appropriate resources to bear. Whoever does that emerges as a leader. And that's what we have. And that's what we need. We need pastors, elders, ministry leaders who are doing this. Plato said this, what's honored in a country will be cultivated there. And friends, that's what is honored here at Fellowship Bible Church. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, to see people brought to the fullness of maturity in Christ. Over the Christmas break, I, uh, Karina and I took our younger kids to Heiko, Texas. Um, Karina and I like to, like to go there. It's, it's not a really big town. And you're like, what in the world would you do in Heiko? they got a cool little downtown. They have a chocolate factory, Wiseman's Chocolate. They give free samples. I know, you know, I think they even know me there. Okay, but it's cool, you know. And then we actually discovered that in Heiko, they have this, uh, these abandoned silos, and there's a, a couple that has moved down from Illinois. They're sick and tired of all the snow and cold. And they set up camp in Heiko, and they purchased these, these abandoned silos, And inside one of them, they've actually created like this rock climbing wall, and you can climb to the very top of it. So we went there, and and sure enough, you know, you can do this. It's like super cool, and they have like these lights in there. It's it's awesome. In fact, here's pictures of my kids, my younger ones doing it. There's Christiana and Cameron. And 
you know, like it, there's some easy ones and then some challenging ones. And it's really fun to kind of watch your kids scale up all the way to the top. And it's, it's way up there. But uh, the reason that they're successful in doing that is because they have the belayers down on the ground. And they're the ones that are actually holding the rope, you know, and they're getting attention. And so like when you're a kid, you're like, whoa, they kind of slip and they, and they kind of fall off the wall. They don't just like splat, you know, down on the concrete base. Nope, they're just kind of dangling there, do, 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 and then back into the wall, like, okay, yeah, grab on there. Like, this next step, take that left foot of yours, reach up there, you can do it, you can do it, and they, and they get them to take those next steps forward. And you know what? They can get you all the way to the top, and they bring you safely to the bottom. Of course, we're all cheering when they get to the top, but you know what really made them successful in doing so? It was the belayers, the guy and the gal down on the ground with the rope, They really were the ones that raised their game to new heights. And friends, that's what leaders do in churches. They help people grow and take steps that they never thought they would. And that's what God intends, that we're bringing people to the fullness of maturity in Christ. A thriving church has a life-giving, disciple-making vision. Let's pray.